Psalms. We're going to be in chapter 119. Uh, Fun little fact. uh, Could you turn this mic down just a little bit? I'm kind of echoing. Fun little fact, if you didn't know this, and many of you probably do, Psalm 119 is the longest uh, chapter in any book of the Bible. We're not reading all of it, though, so don't worry. But we are going to read through the first two little sections here, starting in verse 1, going through verse 16. Let's read God's word together. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. It's the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, just a quick word. We don't have kingdom kids for the little ones today. So we will be resuming that ministry for the little ones uh, next week, I think. Nope, in two weeks, in two weeks, okay? Uh, but today, I'm excited that you are here. I know it's the day after Christmas, and uh, you probably came dragging into service maybe a little bit. I know I kind of feel that way. Just a little prayer request. Uh, my family has been going through the stomach bug issue. As you know, has been around Kennedy for the last uh, several weeks, and we are on uh, kiddo number three, who's gotten it a second time, and we are approaching week two of someone in our house having the stomach bug. So it's not been a lot of fun, and it kind of put a little bit of a damper on Christmas, and so that's where Marsha was Christmas Eve, that's where she is today, so she's at home taking care of little ones, especially pray for her. I kind of get an easier uh, part of that. She's the one that the kids come to and wake her up in the middle of the morning and say, I need this, I need that, please help me. And I was telling uh, our group this morning, I was praying, it's kind of it's kind of been like in a, you know, one of those Civil War movies where they set up the camp on the field where they have the doctor in there and, you know, they, the kid, everybody's coming in, it's all this whining and moaning and calling for the doctor and, and Marsha's the doctor. I'm the guy with the hatchet that you don't want to see, right? So the kids go to her and they don't bother me so much, but uh, it's been a team effort a little bit, a little bit, but just prayers for that and we would appreciate it very much. Uh, but I've been really looking forward to this, even as we are getting into the spirit of Christmas and, and getting things going and we had so much going on, it was really exciting, but I've actually been uh, just as equally looking forward to uh, today's message and what we're going to be going through in the next several months together. So I'm really excited that you're here to be a part of kind of the beginning of something that I think is going to be a, a real blessing to, to us as a church and to you individually in the coming year. With that said, I want to just take a pause here and pray and invite you to pray with me. Would you, would you pray with me, please? 
Father God, we come to you this morning just off a high of celebrating the Christmas uh, holiday and just reflecting on what you've done for us in sending Jesus into the world and and uh, seeing so many family members and enjoying so many wonderful things. And God, we come uh, maybe a little tired, maybe a little worn, but I, I pray that we come expectant. Because your word tells us when we gather together in your, in your name, in, in the name of your son, Jesus, when we come together in his name, you're here. So you're here, God, and you have something you want to say to us. You have encouraging things that uh, you want to put on our hearts. You've got changes that you want us to make. You, you have so much good things for us, so many blessings for us. And I pray that we just be open to hearing from you. What those blessings are that you want to bring into our life, that we would have our hands open wide to you. That our, our minds may be ready to receive and understand what you have to say to us. That our hearts might be soft and ready to receive what you want us to hear. And that our hands would be ready to go from this place and live out what you have shown us today. All this we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the reason I'm excited that you're here is not just because it's a normal Sunday and that's always a reason to be excited to be here. But I'm also excited because we're on the front end of something I think could be, uh, for many of us who have not read the Bible thoroughly for ourselves, it can be life transforming. And I'll, I'll tell you that, that reading the Bible for the first time for myself was actually the moment in which I began to understand that God is real. All this stuff I've been hearing at church is true. And I became a Christian just opening and reading the word. You've heard my testimony before. I don't want to go into the whole, whole thing. But at 16 years of age, I was not a Christian. I, I would have said I was. I was going to the youth group at the First Baptist Church in Wortham, Texas. And I would have confessed freely, Jesus is my Savior and I'm a Christian. But I never really want, went through a transformation where I confessed my sin to the Lord, received Him as my Lord and Savior, and went through that moment of conversion. I never had that experience. I was just, I knew it up here, but the transformation had not happened here, Right? And it was in the midst of a youth service where the, you've, we've done it here where the youth will lead the service. We've kind of gotten to a point where our youth are leading far more regularly than just a couple times a year, which is a really beautiful thing. And so we had our youth service where the youth were to preach. And my best friend, who was normally, normally the, the guy who was brave enough to say, I'll bring a message to the entire church on Sunday morning, he was going to be out. And so I volunteered. And my youth pastor, he gave me a passage of scripture, which is, uh, if you've been around church much, you know it as the Great Commission comes out of Matthew 28. And it's when Jesus is sending his disciples after his death and resurrection, he is sending them out with a message saying, go tell other people about what you've seen and heard, teaching them to obey, baptizing them in my name, all of that. And when I got home, I had a Bible. I still remember the cover of it. It was a teen study Bible. And it had like these, it was very 90s, okay? It had like this, this uh, pink and this uh, neon green uh, cover to it. And it, it was my brother's. I had to steal a Bible from my brother. But I assure you, he was not using it, so it was not a problem. And so I took that Bible and I flipped over to Matthew 28. And for the very first time, I read the Bible for myself. I'd opened it at Wednesday night, youth. I'd opened it Sunday morning. You know, usually the pew Bible or whatever they had laying around. But it was the first time I, on my own, sat down and opened the Bible. And that was the moment I hear, not literally the voice of God, but I felt the presence of God impressing upon me all this stuff I've been hearing, all this stuff I've been involved in, all this stuff I knew up here was true. 
That's the power of the word of God in our lives. And I experienced that at 16, never been the same. It transformed my life and became a Christian. And in the same moment, felt called to ministry after I preached that first sermon. I said, this is what God wants me to do with my life. And, and that's not always the experience every time. But if you read the Bible enough, it does transform you. It does change you. And it's an incredibly important part of our, of our Christian life. Now, you may be of those who say, I'm on board. I want to do this. I want to read the Bible for myself. I want to read a lot of the Bible. I've only read bits and pieces. I want to get through, you know, the whole thing. I, I want to do that. I've never done that. Or you may be one that's read the Bible many times over and you say, I'm always game to read the Bible. It's always a great thing. You got me. I'm on board. Let's do this. And to that, I say fantastic because that's what we're doing in 2022. I'm going to talk about it in just a little bit, but I'm going to have a Bible reading plan for you. And I might as well mention it now. Looks like this. Miss Amy did a great job printing these and prepping these for us. And it's going to take us through the Old Testament once, the New Testament three times, and then you're actually going to have a chance to read Psalms and Proverbs both twice. I think I'm getting that right. Well, it's written right on the front. Yeah, I did get that right. It's written right here. Come on, Matt. I even wrote that on there. Look at that. Okay. And then it's just a written plan. You open it up and day one is January 1st, 1st of January, first day of the year. You're going to read day one, January 1st, day one, Genesis one. You read it, you check the box. The boxes are in red that you'll check. And then you'll read Psalm one. You'll read Psalm one. You'll check the box. You'll read Luke one. You'll read Luke one. You'll check the box. And then you'll fill out a journal and I'm going to get to how we're going to do that a little bit later. Now, if uh, after the service today, I've got lots of these. We have enough for everybody. Amy printed enough for everybody. But if you prefer to have it digital and on your phone, if you go to fbckennedy.org slash Bible, you'll not only find this plan in a PDF, but you'll also find some really helpful links. And a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about today, as far as just some basic tips, if you're new to reading the Bible and being on a regular reading plan, there's some basic tips that I'm going to share with you today that are already on that website. And I know what you're thinking, then why did I show up today? But that's not the only reason you're here, right? So check that out, and I think that'll be really helpful to you. But the Bible reading plan, and then out of each week's uh, reading, as we read Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, or Proverbs each day, out of... That week's worth of reading, I'm going to preach from some passage found in that week's reading. So it's kind of like if you were here for the Psalms series, it's kind of like how we did that. So if you're not on board with this, though, that's, that's, that's for all of us who are thumbs up. But maybe you're wondering, I don't know, this may not be for me. I don't know if I really want to do this. This is, um, that's a lot to do. I'm not sure that I want to do it. I, I want to point out... Uh, the value of reading and following God's word. Look at what it says in Psalm 119, verse 14. The psalmist writes, I rejoice in following your statutes, which is another way of saying the laws of God are the word of God. And then he says, as one rejoices in great riches. And if you read all of Psalm 119, you'll see this repeated over and over, that the Bible... The law of God, the commands of God, the statutes of God, these are all the decrees of God. These words are all another way of referring to the Bible. Now, for them, it would have been, you know, not the whole Bible that we have now, Old Testament and New, a portion of that. But still, the the fact remains that they were addressing the word of God in written form. When he says this, as one rejoices in great riches. Now, I got for me here a fake diamond. 
okay? Now, I tried to convince my kids it was a real diamond, but they're far too smart for that, and they knew we couldn't afford something like this. What do you think this would be worth? If this were real, though, what do you think it would be worth? One billion dollars. That's maybe a little high. Maybe a little high. Six hundred million. Well, I did a little research and just said, what are the world's most valuable diamonds? Well, some of them are actually priceless, so you can't put a price on it. But of those that they did put a figure on, they can be tens of millions up to hundreds of millions of dollars for a diamond roughly this size. Tens of millions to hundreds of millions, five, six hundred million, some of them. And just pretend with me for a second that this thing is real. Is the glare hitting this and blinding anybody? We good? Okay, no, just the glare off my head. Okay, all right. Imagine if I took this and hid this somewhere in the city of Kennedy and it were real. What do you think would happen? Put up some billboards, some Facebook ads, get the word out. We've got a diamond worth tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars hidden somewhere in the city of Kennedy, Texas. My guess would be it would turn some people's world upside down. They would become diamond diggers. They would be looking online, how do you find a diamond? They, some of you too. We would be on the hunt for this thing buried somewhere, hidden somewhere in our town. Because we recognize the value of something. Now just think for a second. It's a little bit silly that a rock can be worth that much money. Right? But it's not at all silly when the psalmist says to know the word of God and to live the word of God is better than riches. As one rejoices in great riches, so I rejoice in the word of God and following the word of God. And you may say, why is that? Verse 2 we read, we are immeasurably blessed. Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek them with all their heart. Verse 9 and 11 say, how can we stay on the path of God's purity? By living according to his word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The life that God has called us to cannot be lived without the support of the Bible. The encouragement from scripture. It's not like any other book that we've ever read is uniquely God speaking to us through the pages of Scripture because He has inspired the Word of God through the pen of human beings. He has given us His Word. He has spoken to us what He expects of us, who we are, who He is, what we can expect of Him. In short, the Bible answers the most fundamental and important questions that we could ever grapple with. And it gives us nourishment for everyday life. It connects us to God, gives us an opportunity to have an ongoing conversation with God as we read the word and God is speaking to us through the scripture. And as we pray and we are speaking to God through prayer, there's a transformative relationship that happens when we're reading God's word. Unlike anything else, even the best books in the world that I've read pale in comparison to the power of the word of God, because as the scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, The word of God is powerful. It's like sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to just cut through and show us what is true. Convict us. Show us direction. Because here's what I would bet. If I could say, now you could have this diamond, or you could hear from God 
You can know what He wants from you. You can know what He thinks of you. You could hear from Him and understand the path He has set out for you. Like if, I, if you could trade a diamond for those truths, if you could really know that stuff, I think it would be foolish to pick a rock. It would be very wise to pick those things. And those things are found in the Word of God. God speaks to us those truths through the Scriptures. So I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you on board. If you are maybe wondering about, should I really invest my time and energy in reading the Bible every single day? I want to say to you, from the Scriptures, read Psalm 119 and you see the value over and over. That you may know God, have a relationship with God, grow in that relationship with God. As you obey and as you understand and obey the Word of God, that is the value. But what's really... what's uh, Interesting as well is to look how it has real impact on people's lives. Now, I shared my story and how reading the Bible has had an impact on my life. And, and there's, I can't overstate the impact it's had. Many of you have the same story. But I found it interesting. I was doing a little research. And there was a group called the Center of Bible Engagement. They did an extensive study. And they found that if you read the Bible for yourself four times a week, Everybody, I want you to participate with me. Put your hand up and put four. Would you do that with me? Four times a week. Hold it up for a second. Here's what they, here's what they discovered. If you read it once, twice, or three times a week, there's some positive impact in your life. But there's something about doing it four times a week. Okay, you can put your hand down. Thank you for participating. I know that was a little awkward, but you hung in there. Great job. But if you do it four times a week, it becomes transformative in your life. Now, our goal is seven times a week, but we're imperfect. We're going to come up short sometimes. I'm going to actually talk about that a little bit later. But when we move from becoming hearers of the word on Sunday morning to reading it a couple times a week to being consistent in reading the Bible at least four times a week for ourselves, our lives become transformed. Now, here's what they discovered. Because they asked people this. How often do you read the Bible? What impact does it have on your life? Feelings of loneliness in this survey they discovered from these folks. Feelings of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues one has in their life when they became a regular Bible reader dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage, 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. What is it saying? This study found when people regularly read the Bible four times minimum a week, it transformed how they lived. And that's pointed out to us in the Psalms. Because what the psalmist is saying, it's not just reading and it's not just understanding the Bible. What does he say about the riches that he rejoices in in the Word of God? In verse 14, he says, I rejoice in following your statutes. Well, you can't follow the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. And you can forget the Word of God, and so we got to continually read the Word of God. And because it's living and active, when we read it, it has an impact on our everyday life. And that's bearing out in this study. And you could have said to that study, we didn't need a study. I already knew that. I can testify to that. Yet, another study by LifeWay Research 
pointed out that a third of Americans who attend a Protestant church regularly, a third, 32%, say they read the Bible personally every day. Only a third of those who are church-going folks read the Bible every day. 27% read it a few times a week. Fewer than that, 12%, a few times a month, 11%, and so on and so forth. So what's pointing out is though is that we have a diamond, most of us, in our car, in our bedroom, on our bookshelf, sitting there collecting dust, something of incredible value and worth, something powerful and impactful in our lives. And for, for two-thirds of us, it's just, it's just sitting there. We're doing nothing with it. We've got this incredible gift, and we're not enjoying it. And I do say the word enjoy on purpose because that is what, the way the psalmist talks about the Bible. It's not just value, but it's enjoyable. Just a few verses later in verse 16, he says, I delight in your decrees. Another way of talking about God's word, the scriptures. I delight in it. I enjoy it. It's a wonderful thing to read from the Bible and hear from God and put that into practice and experience the presence of God in my life and live the way God's called me to live. There's something really wonderful about that. And then the psalmist says this. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now I just want to talk to those of you who would say I'm a Christian. I come to church regular. I'm in the club. I'm here. I'm part of this. I'm, I'm all in. And I just want to say if you're not reading the Bible at least four times a week. Better yet, every day. I just want to encourage you just to repent. That's, it sounds like a bad, nasty word, but it's not. It's actually a very wonderful word. It just means to change the way you think about something and therefore change the way you live. That's all it means. And Martin Luther, if you know that guy, you know, he came up with the 95 thesis. He's the one that kind of started the Protestant Reformation, if you're familiar with any of that. He's the kind of the one that really God used to bring about a renewal of the gospel and the importance of scripture to the Christian, Right? He said, in fact, I believe it was the first of his thesis, first thing he wrote on the paper, he said, I've got some issues with the way we're doing church. Number one, all of life should be of repentance. It's not a bad thing. We need to constantly be changing our mind and changing the way we live. It's how we develop and grow and mature and become more like Christ. So if you're not making Bible reading a part of your everyday life, I just want to say, just change the way you're thinking about it. Understand the wealth and value that there is in the Word of God. And make a commitment as we begin together to say, I'm in. As a Christian, this is not only my duty, because it is a duty, to spend time with God. He deserves it. Think of anyone in your life that really matters to you. If you totally ignored them, if you closed them out, if you didn't talk to them, if you didn't spend time with them, would you be honoring your relationship with them? be hard to say that you were, right? Same is true with God. God, it's, an, it's a duty to spend time with God, but it is also a great delight to spend time with our Lord, our Maker, who loves us. So my encouragement to you is if you're not reading the Bible regularly every day, change the way you're thinking about it. And make a commitment to leave this place and live a little bit differently by adding regular scripture reading into your life. Because it is transformative. Reminds me of a story from a huge church outside of Chicago, one of the nation's largest churches. And this church is, I mean, tens of thousands of attenders, 
millions of dollars of budget, enormous campus, did a, does a lot of good in the Christian community. And I don't know why, but somewhere in their journey, the senior leadership of the church said, you know, I wonder if what we're doing, we've got these buildings, we've got these programs and these ministries, I wonder if what we're doing is actually making an impact. Short of it is, are people more like Jesus because of all this stuff that we spend our time and money on? So they did a study. And it was a... It wasn't a small study. It was a pretty big study. It's pretty extensive. And what they found out was something simple and profound. The biggest impact on a Christian's spiritual life is their time with God, specifically in the Word of God. That was the very top of the list. Most important thing. And here's what the pastor said after he discovered this. Quote, Some of the stuff that we put millions of dollars into into, thinking it would really help our people grow and develop spiritually. When the research came back, it wasn't helping people that much. Other things that we didn't put that much money into and didn't put much staff for is the stuff our people are crying out for. And he says this, we made a mistake. What we should have done when people crossed the line of faith and became Christians, what we should have started doing is teaching people that they have to take responsibility to become what he says, self-feeders. See, right now, I'm teaching you the Word of God. And it's a wonderful part of what I get to do. And it's a great part of our week, I hope. (laughs) You can tell me afterwards if it was or was not. But that's being fed. And he's pointing out we have to feed, that's a good thing, but we have to feed ourselves. He says what we should have done is taught our people how to read their Bible between Sundays. And how to do spiritual practices. Which is another way of saying spending time with God. And how do you do that? All this money, all this staff, all these ministries, all these programs... And what was the thing that really was needed most to become more like Christ? Is to read, understand, and apply the Bible every day of our lives. So with that in mind, I hope we can avoid that mistake if we're uh, making that mistake. Because prayerfully reading and applying the Word of God is the most transformative thing we can do for our spiritual life. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to end with some practical stuff for you. Now, I understand some of you, you've been reading the Bible longer than I've been alive. And this is a nice little message, but you're on track. And I just say, praise God for that. And I would just challenge you, are you teaching other people to do what you do? Because if you're not teaching other people to do what you do, you have basically become a full vase that will not, or a full bottle of water, or however you want to put it. You've become full, but you've become stagnant. God fills you up in order to pour you out for others. So if you're reading the word of God, understanding the word of God, you're self-feeding, you are receiving from God the blessings of reading and applying the Bible, but you're not teaching that to others. What I preached in my first sermon, the Great Commission, informs us that our job is to go and teach other people. And part of that teaching other people is, here's what the Bible is, here's what it means, here's how we study it, here's how we read it. 
So just food for thought. If you've tuned me out, you can spend the rest of the time tuning me out. That's fine. Just spend the rest of the time praying about who you can teach to read and study the Bible. Because that's what God calls you to do. Now, this, I didn't plan to say any of this, but I think it's important to say. Because it's not just my job. When, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, he didn't say, now the pastors in these churches you're going to start, it's going to be their job. He says, no, you, disciples, disciple other people. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are called to disciple other people. I can't possibly disciple all these other people. Now, some of you are doing a wonderful job of that. But some of you, I want to challenge you to step into that. God wants to use you to disciple other people in your life. And a big part of that is reading the Bible with them, teaching them to understand the scriptures and all of that. But maybe you're not sure how to do that. You've done it for yourself, but you're not sure how to disciple others. Or you've never done that for yourself and you want to know how. I want to give you just some real basic stuff. The real basic stuff is this. Pick a time and a place you are going to sit down every day to read your Bible. Pick a time and a place. It creates consistency. You have an appointment on your calendar with God. You're going to miss some days. I'll get to troubleshooting that. But most days, you should be able to say, I've got an appointment. 6 a.m. in the front room in that chair to open my Bible and read and pray, journal and study. A time and a place. I just want you to pick something right now. You can change your mind. Maybe you may realize, no, that's not going to work. But just pick a time and place. Do it right now. Go ahead. Think about it in your mind. I'm going to do it in the morning at this time, 732. Be as specific as you can be. What time are you going to sit down and read the Bible? Where are you going to do that? I'm going to do that in my bedroom. I'm going to do that at my desk in the study. I'm going to do that in my car away from everybody. I'm going to do it in the bathroom with the door locked so nobody can bother me. Everybody's going to think I have diarrhea every day. That's another thing. I shouldn't have said that. But you understand. You need a time. You need a place. Be specific about that. You have an appointment with God to spend time with him in the word every day. And it's at this time and it's at that place. Okay, I think I've belabored that point. What are you going to do when you get there? That's why we have a plan. It's meant to help you with that. So you don't have to think about it. You don't have to come up with a plan. You don't have to figure it out. You can just follow this one. Now, a caveat in this, if you've already got a plan, you got one you use every year, you got, I mean, listen, that's fine. I'm not trying to convert you over to what we're doing. Uh, if it's working for you and you're spiritually engaged and growing, I do think there is value in us doing something together, though. That we're all on the same page doing this together. I'll get to why in just a moment. But use this plan. Now, if you open it up and you say, I don't understand what all these boxes are. I can't make sense. Just let me know. Be glad to walk you through that, okay? But take a plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got a time, you've got a place, but you need a plan. Here's your plan, okay? Utilizing this Bible reading plan. So, okay, I know what I'm going to read, but how am I going to spend this time? And actually, I've written a newsletter article that's going to come out in our newsletter in January, and you can read up on some of this, and I think it'll be helpful. Or you can just go to the website, fbckennedy.org slash Bible, and you can read up on some of this. But how are you going to spend that time? I'll tell you what I do. The first thing I do is I just try to take some deep breaths and focus on God. I do this early in the morning in my chair in the front room. And I just try to take some deep breaths and focus on God. And even offer a little prayer. God, help me to just focus in on you right now. And then, after that little prayer, begin reading the assigned scripture for that day. As you read, 
I want to ask, I want to give you three questions to ask yourself as you read. Very simple questions, but it'll help you dig in because sometimes you just read it and you move on and it becomes just a box that you check. But remember, the psalmist doesn't say how the riches and the blessings is to read the Bible. It's to obey what you read in the Bible. And so when you study it, it helps you to understand it and apply it to your everyday life. So here's the three questions. What does it say? You get a little journal, you get a pencil, you got your Bible, you got your reading plan, you got your time and place. You read the scriptures and you say, well, what does it say? Maybe you take what you've read. Now, listen, when you are reading as much as we're going to read three chapters a day, which isn't a lot, but it's also not a very small amount, right? Medium amount. Just pick something. As you're reading through those three chapters, you're just inviting the Lord God, show me what you want me to focus in on. Out of those three chapters, it may be one verse or one word, and God says, this is it for you today. Something that stands out. And that's what you're going to use as the basis of these three questions. When you focus in on that one chapter, or maybe it's one paragraph, or maybe it's one verse, one sentence, from there you say, well, what is it saying? You might rewrite it in your own uh, words. You're restating it. It's going to feel a little redundant, but that's okay. You're just, kind of, you're just kind of getting that verse, that paragraph in your mind a little bit deeper by just jotting down what does it say. Now, when you pick up your Bible reading plan today, it's got these questions listed right here for you. Question number two is what does it mean? What do I understand the author of this portion of scripture is saying? A helpful way to think about it is if I'm going to explain this to my child, my grandchild, a friend of mine who knows nothing about the Bible, how would I explain what I have just read? Now you're going from what does it say to what do you understand it means? And then the third and final step in this that is very important because, again, the value of reading the Bible is not reading the Bible and getting more information about the Bible. It's living the Bible. That's where the transformation comes, is when you seek to live out what you have read. So the third question goes with that. It says, what shall I do? Based on what I've read and my understanding of it, what should I do? What's the application? Is there a truth to be embraced? Is there a sin to be repented of? Is there an action I need to take? Or something I'm doing I need to stop doing? What do I need to do with this? And it can be very short and brief. Now, I want to go back to question number one and two, because I think that's where often we get tripped up when we're new to reading the Bible. Maybe we've never read it for ourselves. It's a bit intimidating. There's lots of pages in there. There's lots of stories. It's not chronological, by the way. Genesis through Revelation isn't like reading a biography of someone where it starts with their birth and ends you know, with their impact after death or whatever. It's not chronological, so it can be a little hard to put all these pieces together. How do you deal with the questions? You use weird names and words and references things I know nothing about. I don't understand this, okay? If you get stuck on that, what does it say? That first question may trip you up sometimes. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. That can happen. And I'll tell you, that stuff still happens to me. I still have to use helps to help me understand the Bible. That's not a bad thing. It's just part of growing as a Christian. You're always going to be coming up against the Word of God and wanting to understand more, understand better. How can you do that? I'm going to give you one practical thing here 
that I think can be extremely helpful in your everyday Bible reading. And it's called a study Bible. And I got a little example here for you. This is one of my favorite study Bibles. It's called the NIV study Bible. It's a very specific one uh, put out by Zondervan Press. I, I love it. I think it's a phenomenal one. I use it every week for sermon prep. I use it when I'm studying the scriptures for myself and I come across something. I'm like, what does that mean? Or I can't remember. Where, where, what's the, what are they referencing there? A good study Bible answers a lot of the questions that you're going to have as you read the Bible. Now, what is a study Bible? One of the things I like about this one is it's got color on every page. If you're a fan of color on pages and you don't want to just look at something black and white, this has color on every page. Even if it just has little green and orange stuff, you know, it pops. But the cool thing is, at the beginning of every book, here's one, Esther. This is the book of Esther. What is this book about? Before I start reading chapter 1, verse 1, it would be kind of nice. What am I reading? It's got a whole thing here that explains what you're about to read. Not only that, but then when you get into the actual chapter and verse, and every book of the Bible is broken down by chapters, and each chapter has verses, We always keep in mind those are things that people put in after the fact. Those aren't actually inspired by God, but they are helpful to kind of find your place and where you're going. So once you get in, oh, I skipped over Esther. It's kind of a skinny book. But once you get into it, at the top, you'll see the scripture verses that you're reading as part of your daily Bible reading plan. And at the bottom, what you're going to find are notes about what you've read. So a study Bible helps you study the Bible. And it often answers the questions that you are asking about what you've just read. So you get stuck on question number one or two. What does it say? What does it mean? I don't know. A good study Bible can help you with that. Okay. Now, let me say this. Again, if you go to the website, fbckennedy.org slash Bible, I have listed there three study Bibles, including this one. Link them to Amazon where you can go buy one today and have it in a few days. You'll have it in plenty of time for the reading Bible reading to start. They're all about 30 bucks, not expensive. But sometimes you can't afford 30 bucks, and I understand that. I buy these regularly and give them away. I've got two today to give away. Now, if you've got study Bibles and you're just looking for a freebie, pass on this one, okay? Let's let somebody else have a turn. But if you don't have a study Bible and you may struggle with getting one, I'm going to put these on the front pew and you take, or I've got, I've got one here. And I'll leave one on the front, or I'll just stack them up here. Just come and get one. I want you to take one, so don't feel bad about it at all. Or just go buy yourself one if you can afford one, and it will really help you in your Bible study. Now, let me say one more thing before I kind of wrap this up. If you engage in this Bible reading plan with us, you will get behind. It's not an if. You are going to miss a day. You're going to have a day where your kid wakes up at 2 a.m. throwing up, and then one of your other kids wakes up later with a stomach ache, with a, a tummy ache and has to go to the bathroom. You're going to have that. That's what we're living through right now. Guess what? I missed my Bible reading this morning. Now, I read the Bible to prepare for, you know, get myself sharp for today. How well, you can let me know how that went. But let me tell you, you're going to miss a day. Do not beat yourself up. Here's my two encouragements. Don't miss two days. You're going to miss a day, but plan now, but I won't miss two days. Well, what happens if you do? Okay, if you miss two days. You made a commitment not to, but life happens and maybe you miss two. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Go start, uh, not where you left off, because then you're going to feel behind. Just pick up wherever you are. I missed January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Today's January 4th. Pick up on January 4th's Bible reading. 
And then as you have time, catch up. Go back and read those two or three days that you missed. Now, you're not going to get the full effect because you're not going to have time to do the journaling and asking the questions. You're going to miss out on that. But at least you will have read the information, and that's okay. And a little tip on that, if you get behind or you want a way to reinforce your Bible reading, if you go to the Bible app, there's a version Bible app. I've also linked this on the webpage. You can get it for free. And on the version Bible app, you can put it on your Android phone or your iPhone. And when you put it on there, you will have a Bible app on your phone 24-7. And here's a really great thing you can use to reinforce your Bible reading is it will read the Bible out loud to you. You can put it on as you're driving down the road or you're working out or you're putting on your makeup or whatever you're doing. You can put it on over your Bluetooth speaker as you take a shower. You can, wherever you want to listen to it. Now, I will say that's not a great way to study the Bible and spend time with God as your main diet. It's a way to catch up and it's a way to reinforce that regular time because you want to really spend time reading it. Writing down some thoughts about it in this journaling, answering these three questions. It's going to be hard to do that if you're doing it on the run. But that listening to the Bible is a great way to catch up. And it's a great way to reinforce that uh, appointment you have with God every day. It's a great way to do those things. Okay. Now, I want to end kind of where we began. God wants to speak to us. And if we have the discipline. To read the words he has already spoken to us. There is something transformative. The Holy Spirit gets to work in our lives. And he begins to point out things in the Bible that we need to be paying attention to. And begins to encourage us with truth that maybe we have forgotten. And slowly and steady as we journey through two steps ahead, one step backwards. Three steps ahead, two steps backwards. But we're making progress. And I promise you, if you've never done this, if you will stick with it and not give up, even when you miss two days in a row, at the end of it, you will be different. God will use his word to transform your life. Some of you in huge ways, some of you in significant ways, some of you in small ways, but they're really important to you. That's how God uses the word. But we have to have the discipline. Remember what the psalmist said at the end of verse 16. I lost my spot here. And well, I remember what he says. He says, I will not neglect your word. And if you choose not to neglect his word, the promise of scripture is his word never returns void. It always accomplishes what God's word is set out to accomplish, which is to transform us, making us more like Christ. Sometimes I refer to the Bible as the word of God. Why? Because a word conveys a message. And God has a message for you. The problem is it's hidden in that daily appointment with him. You won't find it often if you don't make that appointment. But he wants to communicate to you. Now that, I I hope that lands on you. God, who made everything, the universe, the the billions of galaxies, and every galaxy has billions of stars. He made all that. He wants to talk to you. He cares about you. He wants a relationship with you. That's why the Word of God, John 1 tells us, the Word of God is Jesus. The message of God is Jesus. What God wants to communicate to us is Jesus. That relationship that we have with God through Jesus, that's what God wants. He wants the relationship. 
It's not about reading a book. It's not about information. It's not even about obeying a list of things to do. It's always about relationship. God wants you to know about Him. So that you can have a better relationship with Him. A relationship that we would never have if it were not for Christ, who is the Word of God, come into the world. Read John 1. Don't don't leave this place without thinking for a moment that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time with you. That is just an incredible thing. So he gave us a Bible to help with that. More than that, he gave us his son. That that would even be a possibility. That's the God that we have. So make an appointment to be with him today, tomorrow, And the next day, let's pray. Oh God, that you care for us is an incredible thing. We are sinful. We are broken. We are messed up. We make mistakes every single day. And yet you still care about us. You care for us. You love us. You want a relationship with us. You've given us your son, Jesus, that we may have a relationship. And you've given us your word that we could continue to grow in that relationship. What a wonderful gift, gifts you've given us, God. Thank you. And I pray anyone here this morning, they would not have heard a word of condemnation from me, but only encouragement to make that appointment with you. And nothing would get in the way. And God, you would speak to us. And it's not going to happen every time. We know that, God. But if we make that commitment, we make our appointments, I know you're going to transform us. And I'm so excited about how you're going to do that in our lives as a congregation and how we'll be different at the end of 2022 than when we began. That's what I'm asking you to do, trusting that it's exactly what you will do when we open your word and spend time with you. All this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.